<sighs> Here we are. It's been a wrestle to get to this moment for me. Um, so I feel like there's something weighty upon what I have to share. Um, so, yeah, I'm fired up. Oh, no. <laughs> Perfect timing. Um, you know, I love, I love just tracking with God um, what he's speaking, um, you know, not just to us as, as a church. You know, there's, there's the individual where God speaks, is when he speaks to your church family, and then there's the broader kind of across the world thing. But um, certainly I feel like this is part of what God is speaking and how he's reshaping our community. Um, one of those things is, is in the area of discipleship, and we are having lots of conversations at a core leadership level. So that's all of our Life Hub leaders, worship leaders, prayer leaders, uh, prayer ministers, all of that kind of crew. So we've been, uh, we had our first uh, kind of core leaders equipping night last Thursday. We're doing three weeks of that in a row. Uh, and that's part of the reason why we've gone to fortnightly Life Hubs when they, gatherings when they start up, is just we just want to keep um, pressing in and leaning into what God is wanting to shape and reshape in our community. Uh, and then the second area, I think, is, is of God um, bringing us um, as a family um, into what he has for us as, uh, as the church, as a church, but as the church and a right understanding of that. And so I could, this is kind of a, a, a bit of a warm-up, and then uh, I, possibly next week uh, I might just play a sermon from a guy called Dutch Sheets. Anyone heard of Dutch Sheets before? Yeah? So it's like, what is that? A thread count? What are you talking about? Um, you know, I've got I know, Egyptian sheets, cotton, but Dutch sheets. No, I've never heard. So it's actually his name. Uh, his name is Dutch and his surname is Sheets. Um, but he, um, it was a few months ago, I think it was Rod and Lindley maybe shared it uh, on our staff group or something like that, assuming that he, it was on my birthday. There we go. Perfect timing. Um, it's kind of one of those ones where you, like, you, you hear a sermon, you go, wow, you have articulated that so well that I could, I could, copy down everything that someone said and then parrot it back, but it's like, I can't be bothered doing that. So I'd just rather, you know, we, so we might actually play it just next week and we can all just join in and then we can add, you know, maybe after that our own flavor and how that applies to us. But it's certainly um, what he presents in that is these uh, two dynamics of the life of the church and that is the family of God uh, and the army of God. So the family of God being this word oikos, which is the Greek word for household. And so that is an important part of the life of the church is that we are a spiritual family that God has brought together. And we've talked, spoken a lot about that. That's why we intentionally do things to build family connection because they, it is a representation of the kingdom. It's not some kind of cool way of getting people to join the church. Oh, well, family. Oh, people like family, so we'll be a family and people will come and join the church. The reason why we pursue being a family is because it's, uh, it's imperative in, in what the kingdom is. It's what the Bible would describe the church to be. And so we'll say, well, we'll be that then. Uh, if family was the most hated thing in all of creation in, in the world, we'd still be a family because that's what the Lord calls us to be, if you know what I mean. So it's not a popularity thing in any way. Uh, it's a, it's a, what I would call a, a kingdom imperative. Uh, it's, it's, it is what the church is. So we have that oikos on one side, and then we have the ecclesia or ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church. 
So again, what we understand church to be and what our language has described it to be and what our experience probably has been is people would say, well, this is church. Or that building down the road with the steeple and the, and the bell, that's a church. Uh, and from the uh, inception of this church community, uh, I have uh, rallied and railed against our language around the word church um, misrepresenting what I believe the Bible calls it to be. So we used to, how I used to joke about it, we always said like a swear type jar, you know, we never actually did it, but I used to threaten, it's like, so every time that you misuse the word church, you gotta put a dollar in, into the, uh, into the jar. But, uh, but, but this is where, yeah, we will, we all do it, we've all done it. It's a cultural thing, it's, it's not a big deal. I've, I've gotten over it, okay, I had to work through it. I'm not offended anymore, no, no. Um, took a few years, 10 years, you reckon? No. Yeah. Uh, so, but for me, um, as uh, you know, my, my perspective and my calling as a reformer is that language is incredibly important because language describes things, but language also creates things. So language is descriptive and creative. And so if you use the wrong language, you're actually bringing something into being. The power of life and death on your tongue, it means you're creating things with your words. And so a wrong understanding of something can give it too much power in your life, but can also rob it of power as well. And I believe that our language around church, around as we utilize this, the ecclesia word in English being church, as we have misused it and misrepresented it, then we have robbed the church of a lot of its power and its influence in the world. Now, again, I'm not going to get into Dutch Sheets sermon, but it is, it's just spectacular because it was almost the timely thing to go, yes, that's what it is. Because sometimes you feel attention and you, and at times you're over on this end and you're going, family family, family, and, then, and then, then you're over this side and you're like, you know, warfare, yes, and, and kingdom and expansion, but, oh, but, the, but the family, and, and the reality is it's, it's both of those things together. Um, but uh, if we don't rightly understand those things, then we will misunderstand what's happening as the church, and we might come with a perspective uh, and uh, an opinion or an idea as, as to how things should be because we've misunderstood what the Lord has intended them to be. So we think, oh, we should do more of this and do less of this and it should be more like this and be like less of this. And, and that comes down to our opinion. But it's like, but what does the Lord want us to be? Who does the Lord want us to be? What does he want us to do? And so that's kind of where we're going to touch on. Um, but I've titled my sermon today, Awaken the Warriors. Yep. Big yawn. Oh, so um, I think the reality is that probably for a lot of us, um, we're, we're not necessarily, maybe we're not familiar with warfare. I know some of us are. <laughs> some of us are all too familiar with warfare. But when it comes to, even within our culture, like if you grew up in Australia, you haven't, more than likely, you haven't experienced war. Okay, so even the concept of war, and I know people in this community that have been in and they've grown up in, uh, in areas and they live with the, the trauma and the impact of it. But for most of us, we don't really understand and we can't even conceptualize, we have no experience of what it is to be in, in a war-type environment, to live with that uh, kind of uh, tension and, and, and pressure and stress and all of those things that come along with, uh, with being in a war. Um, and that's obviously in the natural and so it's not a familiar thing, it's not really an understandable thing, but then when it comes to our journey with God, um, 
you know, we, we understand, okay, well, there's this, before I become a Christian, there's this war between me and God that my sin has set up as me as an enemy of the Lord. And yet I discover, oh no, but He has made a way for me to come into right relationship with Him that, the, that that enmity has been broken by the finished work of Jesus, that He has taken authority of all of that. So I get to come in and I'm no longer an enemy of God, but I'm a friend of God, I'm a child of God, I'm the bride of Christ. I'm all of these wonderful things that I come into right relationship with God. And then probably, you know, being in this community as well, then we also do the work of that personal work of dealing with then, you know, any enmity that we have between, between one another, between creation, all of those different things where there's these different battles that we wage and, and we kind of want to bring resolve and peace in those areas. But I think oftentimes we probably, we're not spiritually wired as a culture, Western culture in general. Um, we are not familiar with warfare in the natural. So natural war and spiritual war are kind of things we don't really necessarily engage with all that often. It's not common. I mean, you can go into cultures and it's just part of their culture that they understand spiritual warfare. I haven't been to a heap of countries, but for us growing up, we used to do family holidays in Bali, um, you know, as, as good old Aussie bogans do. And uh, no, we weren't bogans, were we? No. <laughs> it's my parents. Um, <laughs> So okay, I have said in the past that I'm a bogan trapped in a middle-class body, so um, it's all right. Um, but in that culture, it was just a normal thing. Every day they would prepare a little offering and they would put it at their little kind of temple and statue and that, that was just part of their, the culture of their life and that's what they would do to appease the gods and bring peace and prosperity and all of those sorts of things. But we just don't have that in Western culture. We are a predominantly secular culture. So the idea of, of warfare is just not normal in any way. But then even Christians, when, you know, in doing the, the Christian journey, a lot of what, you know, church life is about is, is not necessarily about warfare. Um, it's not, you know, and so a lot of people as Christians, even they can avoid things of spiritual warfare. They can even live in denial or ignorance of what is happening around us in our homes, in our relationships, in our communities. Oftentimes we think on the level of, you know, what can we do in the practical to help solve an issue? Now, again, I know others and, and others that are more prophetically wide, they probably, you know, can be hyper aware of those things um, and doing warfare on that level. But then on the other side, we also need to realize that there are practical needs and, and, and life engagement to engage with. So there is personal spiritual warfare. And then there's this idea of corporate spiritual warfare, which is what the church is engaging in, the ecclesia of God, the people of God. The word ecclesia is about uh, a ruling uh, governmental, governmentally in the kingdom and in the earth. So that's what they, you know, Jesus, they borrowed this word from Roman culture, but that's what it is. The, the ecclesia is the spiritual governing body in any particular area or region, depending on what level of influence God gives to that group of people. So we have a role and a responsibility in whatever sphere of influence God has given us corporately to wage war against the works of the enemy. So the reality is when you said yes to becoming part of God's family, you said yes to family, but you also said yes to becoming part of his army. So that was, uh, you know, you were, you were, what's the word? It's not inscription. Um, conscription, that's the one. I knew I had some, couldn't get the prefix. You were conscripted into God's army. 
Yeah. And so that's part of the, the thing as well. If we don't understand that, then we cannot understand kind of why we do what we do in the corporate kind of identity as the church, because we can come in and go, oh, cool, family time. And yet why is all of this warfare going on? Or someone will come in, it's like, oh, it's wartime. It's like, oh, and why are people that is being family? Well, it's the two things are happening at once. We are a family at war. Jesus said, oh, I got the, the verses. Jesus said somewhere in the Bible. It says, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus, meek and mild, doesn't seem like that when he, what he's saying, those sorts of things. That's like Jesus, hardcore, in your face, you know, better be careful, he's gonna punch me out, kind of Jesus. I don't mind that Jesus sometimes. I feel like I, I, I need that Jesus sometimes. I like Jesus color me because I, I, I just need some comfort and kick me in the backside because I need to get a move on, Lord. Like I want, that's who I want Jesus to be for me. If he's only one part of that, then I'm like, I feel really good about myself but I'm not doing what he wants me to do. Who feels like they need a kick in the backside? No one today, that's all right. You know, it's like, what, what are we doing here? Why are we here? Like, why did we come together today at three o'clock? on a Sunday afternoon? And why do we do it week after week? Why? Oh, it's sing together, it's good, and, and learn a bit from the Bible, and have some food together, and, and do all that sort of stuff, and well, it's, all, it's all good things. Is there, is, there, is there potential that there's something that the Lord wants to accomplish that we're missing in the intentionality of even why he would call the people to gather together? And I feel like that's some of where, we, where the Lord is leaning us into, but in some ways, it's almost like we're already doing that in some ways, but then we're living in this conflict and we can have a conflict even in this room because some in the room are thinking, why aren't we doing more of this? And some in the room are like, yes, come on, we've got to lean into more of this. And we're not understanding what's actually going on. If I come for family and people are coming for warfare, there's going to be a conflict there. And if I come for warfare, and, 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 but it's really, it's family time, then there's gonna be a conflict there. There's gonna be some disruption in me. I'm not gonna quite understand what's going on. Because again, in family, it's where there's familiarity and where my needs are important and they're valuable. And in this family, your needs are, are important, they're valuable. The calling on, the personal calling that God has on your life, it's important. Your journey is really important. And I feel like we spend a lot of time focused on people and helping them to come into fullness and life. And we, I don't foresee us stopping doing that in any way, shape or form. But when we come into a place and there's times then when we gather together and we are a corporate body doing and accomplishing the works of God, the personal gives way to the corporate. 
I'm just going to have to jump around here. So, yeah. <laughs> jump around. Jump up, jump up and get down. <laughs> Child of the 80s. So this is the difference between the corporate and the personal. And again, we value the personal. God values the personal. It's the 99 and the one. You know, like Jesus, he, he cares about each individual sheep. Okay, so it's not to, to, to remove that. And again, I know there can be environments and even sometimes church environments where people come along and they might feel like they come along as, as a number you know, or as a cog in a system, and it's not really, well, me as a person, I'm not necessarily, I don't feel valued, um, and, but, it's, uh, but it's just a lot of kind of activity going on. And we don't wanna create a place where, it's, where you feel like, you're just, well, I'm just a cog in this kind of giant machine that's happening. But at the same time, it can't all be about you. Because the corporate isn't just a grouping of individuals. And I think sometimes we think that. So, okay, so personal, there's personal, and then there's corporate. But the corporate is just me as a person with a whole lot of other people. It's me as an individual, and I'm now alongside other individuals. Let me just throw this out there. In the corporate space, we forego our individual identity. We forego our individual preferences, and we forego our individual directions, and we assume the corporate identity, preferences, and direction. I'm not saying it's like, oh, we just, yes, master, do. We're not, we're not following a person. We're not following a culture. We're following Jesus. But it does mean that I come in and, and, and I'm, I'm prepared to say, this is not for me. This is for him. Like when we come in and we gather, and you know, before and after family time, when we're in this room for a couple of hours a week, it's warfare. Warfare time, it's war time. But so we, we grab coffee beforehand and we grab food afterwards and we do all that fellowship and we don't lose any of the family together. But we come in as family, we say, this, this is not about me now. This is not about my preference. How do I like the temperature? How do I like the songs? How do I like the volume? How do I like this? How do I like that? How do I like the shape of this? How do I like that? How do I like that? That needs to be taken off your agenda and left outside and comes and say, Lord, whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit. You want me to yell? I'll yell, Holy Spirit. You want me to get on my face? I'll get on my face, Holy Spirit. Yeah. You want me to make noises? I'll make noises, Holy Spirit. But this is the thing. So what we're wanting to accomplish here is not, it's not about us. And it literally might not be about us, Paradox Church, this family, full stop. It might be the church down the road. He's going to have this spectacular outpouring and spontaneous salvations and deliverance and people are going to have dreams about Jesus and they're going to come in to have revelatory encounters with Him because we said yes to what He wanted to accomplish because angels were set at flight to do the works of God because we said yes to the Lord because we stopped thinking about our personal preference and we said, what's your preference, Jesus? What's your preference, Lord? I want to do what you want to do. Now, again, it does mean we have people that are leading the time, but no one had that plan today. You didn't have that plan today, did you? No. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad that we did Jesus' plan. You're like, I didn't get a plan, but you know, I know the songs. I was here during the practice time. We did one song? We did one song. Out of how many songs did you prepare? 
for? There you go. They're still there. Look at them all. There you go. Ready for next week. <laughs> but do you see? And then so the thought is, and what did he do? And I was like, I don't know what he did, but I got to do whatever he was doing with him. Sometimes that's the case. You don't even know. I don't, I can, you did something, Lord, and it was so good. And that was where we ended. It's like, yeah, we're right where you wanted us to be, Lord. Oh, what a great place to be in. Jesus said, turn left, and I turned left. And he said, turn right, and I turned right. They said, spin around, I spun around. And here we are together, Jesus, you and me together. He's like, oh man, you should have seen what happened in there. And some, maybe some of you did. Not everyone has that kind of prophetic sight to see in the spirit and do all of that sort of stuff. I love people that do. I don't often. I love, I like, I love praying for people and I feel like God gives me prophetic words and, and pictures and all that sort of stuff, but I don't often see like things in the spirit and, and, and supernatural big things. But I love that people do. And I love coming alongside and giving my yes to what the Holy Spirit is saying to them to lead us in that. And this is the thing, we've, we've got to, we have to deal with the individual so that we can deal with the corporate as well. This is why, again, we can't lose family, we can't use in, lose individual identity because it is, actually, it is also each one put together in that. If I get per, breakthrough personally, then I can minister breakthrough corporately. My personal freedom is unto corporate freedom, which is unto regional freedom. This is why we do the whole heart journey, which is the sanctification journey, which we, you know, we call the beautification journey, whatever you wanna call it. Whatever name, whatever language you wanna say, is Jesus' intent, it's discipleship, it's us becoming more like Him, which is His plan for us. But it is unto something. It's not unto just your peace and your personal freedom. So you can live without guilt and you can live in right relationship with people and the Lord all the rest of your days and then just peacefully wander to heaven one day. It's unto something. He's like, I'm doing that in you and you are so valuable as an individual, but you're not so valuable as an individual that I don't have something much greater to utilise you for. You know, we might, you might ask the question, well, you know, when I'm doing this individual journey, and oh, it could be hard and it can be tiresome and it could be long doing my own journey and dealing with my heart and dealing with my sin and all of this sort of stuff. Well, why does my personal bondage affect other people, really? It might just be a hidden sin that you've got that no one really knows about. Well, obviously, outside of the natural consequences of that sin on your close relationships and on your relationship with God, it may not affect the corporate battle. So you come in uh, really struggling with sin, I come into the corporate, it's not like the whole room is going to be thrown off course because you're struggling in some area, okay? So don't worry too much. So you might say, well, I'm not, I'm not really affecting things. And you're like, yeah, true, but you're not affecting things. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not having any negative effect on people. Yeah, you're having no effect on people. And Jesus is like, I want you to have an effect on people. So please have an effect on people. Stop avoiding, I just, well, I'm just not gonna damage everyone. If I keep everything good and calm and nice, no one will get hurt. Yes, and no one will get changed. And no one will get saved. No one will get set free. No one will be blessed by your life. Well done, good on you. What does Jesus say? Oh, Lord, Lord. You know, we, we did everything that you told us to do. He said, but I never knew you. 
depart from me. We have to let these words sink into us and not try and rest. Oh, he must have meant something. He must have been nicer than what he seemed like he was saying. No, I reckon he was brutally in your face. Like he said stuff to his disciples that I would, I would, I don't want him to say to me. Get behind me, Satan. So you may not be affecting things negatively, but you're not affecting things positively. What a waste. When we understand the calling on our lives as governors over territories and regions, we start to also realise the importance of having pure and righteous hearts. You gotta deal with your crap, not just for your sake, but for Christ's sake. I've preached it. For Christ's sake, deal with your junk. But it is, it's for Christ's sake. It's not for your sake. It's not for your glory, it's for His glory. I have no intent to offend anyone today, but I'm prepared to. Because your offence, your offendability isn't my responsibility, so I'm sorry. If anything I say offends you, I take no responsibility for your offendability, okay? I just want you to know that, so that you're prepared that if you go away offended, I'm, I'm not gonna be concerned Okay, if I say something deliberately mean to hurt you, I will apologise for that, but I'm not gonna make excuses because you're not willing to take responsibility for what's going on in your own heart, okay? So the importance of the heart journey, I'll just touch on it briefly, but it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. This is the thing where we, where we journey on the, the character side of things because we, we also do know, as much as you might think, oh, it doesn't affect people, it absolutely does. So then when you're, when you're leading things, it's like our oh, character is high priority for us. Highest priority, that you're journeying with Jesus and, he's, and you're letting Him journey in you and you're dealing with some of that junk, okay? It's not about being perfect, but if you can, you know, I would, if I had to choose between someone who could sing out of tune with amazing character versus someone who had perfect pitch and had, had poor character, be prepared to block your ears every Sunday because the music's gonna suck, but the Spirit of God's gonna come. Yes. I'd choose Holy Spirit anytime. I wrote this, giving spiritual promotion to someone without heart awareness is like giving a bank security job to a narcoleptic sleepwalking kleptomaniac. You can, re, you can watch the replay and figure out what I just said. People have narcolepsy, they just fall asleep at any time. If you're sleepwalking and a kleptomaniac is someone who's, who compulsively steals. So it's not who you want looking after your money, that's all I'm saying. You know, and this is the thing, in the battle, and it, like there's gotta be a caring for the wounded, okay? In any, in any army, there's, there's multi, there's logistics, there's medics, there's, you know, frontline battle, all of that sort of stuff. There's uh, air, Warfare, there's ground warfare, there's you know, sea warfare, there's all of these different parts of it, okay? And so again, having, having medics in the kingdom of God is really, really important. But what we don't want is, to spend, is for the medics to spend all of their time tending to the wounded who have shot themselves. Because <laughs> they actually don't know how 
powerful they are. They don't know the weapons that they have. And so this is the thing, this is what happens. This is the reason why prayer ministry is so important because even when you were a child, the power of your words, the power of the intentions of your heart sets things in motion for the rest of your life. Now you are ignorant because you're a child. You don't know how powerful you are. But it's like, really? I was four years old and I made a judgment against that person and now I'm 38 years old and it's affecting me? How could that happen? Because that's how powerful I am. That I made that declaration and it is bearing fruit. Amen. That's what it's, yeah, amen. Woo! She's with me. But that's the reality. But then if we're spending all of our time because you've just gone and shot yourself again, really? How about you clean up your junk before you join the army? <laughs> you know, like deal with the stuff, like just get on and deal with it. And then maybe it's like, yeah, I know I was out doing battle and I got wounded, it's like awesome. That's, that's, it's kind of like if I broke my leg, I'm like, oh, I broke my leg. I'm not gonna go to Fiona Stanley, I'm gonna go to Afghanistan. Because I've heard they've got really good medics, you know, in this war zone somewhere. It's like, well, that'd be stupid to do that, you know? Is that, I'm a, is that an analogy? Yeah, 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 okay. So sometimes what happens is the church and people in the church are wounded because they just, they keep shooting themselves. Yeah, you gotta start firing at the enemy, start getting on the battlefield and uh, yeah. The work of Christ in our life is personal, but it's also corporate. It's the coming of the kingdom of God in us and around us in the same way that we work by the grace of God to see the nature of Christ established in us. We're also to work to see the same manifestation of Christ in the world around us. So this is the thing, it's not, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus will make it about you because he loves you. But that's kind of the deal. Jesus said, oh no, I'm happy to make it all about you as long as you're happy to make it all about me. But we can't both make it all about you. Because he won't. Because he'll say, oh, if you're all about you, that's idolatry of self, and I'm not gonna join you in worshiping you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's gonna oppose you, and he's gonna discipline you because he loves you, and he's gonna leave you stuck wallowing in the, the filthy place that you've created for yourself because he loves you. And, but he also has realized, I can't, if, if I step off the throne and make you God, then, then our lives are gonna turn out like you would have them. And it's not gonna be good. So let's, how about I stay on the throne, you come under my lordship, and then we'll both be great. Cool, deal? Awesome, fist bump Jesus, you're good. This is the worst prepared sermon ever. Oh, there's just, it's like so much. Yeah, well, okay. So we are in a spiritual battle against the demonic forces that have been established on the earth. And this is what we read about in uh, Ephesians 6. Somewhere in my notes. There we go. It says, Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now this is where Paul then goes on and talks about the armor of God being prepared to go into battle, okay? So what the Apostle Paul isn't saying is that, oh, look, it's not, you know, shouldn't be wrestling with each other. So there's, there's no battle between people. He's saying, stop focusing on that and focus on the bigger picture of actually where the war is at. Okay? Because if you're, again, man, the amount of like dissension and division and offense and bitterness and brokenness in the church and against each other. It's like, there's the enemy over there. Point your gun in that direction. I've never even been to a gun range. But what I would assume that if I went to a gun range and they handed me a gun, they would sell, tell me, number one rule, point the gun in that direction. Don't point the gun in this direction or this direction. Because if you do that, you're going to take out a comrade, you know. You want to be shooting at the enemy. Yeah, the enemy's over there. But in the church, how often? Shoot ourselves in the leg shoot our brother and our sister with our offense and our bitterness and our woundedness and our blame and all of that other junk that I am sick of. I'm so sick and tired of people hearing about people being offended. I'm like, oh, God, please, haven't we gone over this? How many times? Hey? Oh, he's talking to Andrew. <laughs> Were you talking to Andrew? He's talking out loud. <sighs> Busted. <laughs> we talked about this because there's a way to like, so you know what the camera's going to say. But I was saying to Andrew, I think we should make it one way. Otherwise, they'll start talking back. And there we go. It's all good. You're doing a great job, Caleb. We appreciate you. <laughs> so the Apostle Paul is informing us of where the real battle is so that we can fight effectively. And now again, we don't want to get on this side that like everything is spiritual warfare. Okay. Oh, I knocked over my cup. Oh, there must be a, 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 a demon of cup spillage around me. Quick, gather, gather the troops, the intercessors. Call the intercessors. We need to take communion and pour anointing oil over because I'm sick. No, you're just clumsy, okay? It's okay. There's anything. I mean, that can be a premature issue, but if it, you know, anyway. Um, but again, it's a hard issue. You can take responsibility for that. But what we're saying is if we don't want to then ignore that there is a whole lot of stuff going on. I loved, I was listening to a sermon yesterday, again by Dutch Sheets, a different one, but he's talking about that where he woke up and I'm, and I'm, I'm like aware sometimes, like in my household, you just go, oh, I'm tired. Yesterday, I was so tired. I was like exhausted tired and I was so grumpy and I was, I was, so I was just very firm with my children. Again, please don't do that. No, and I was just, you know, you just don't let things kind of go because you're just like, I can't, I can't handle, just, can you, I, just, I should do that? Can you just do that? No, 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 no. Just do that. Pick it up. Put it in the bin. Can we just do that? You know. Let's have one of those days. But you realize this. So you take stock of self and you go, man, I'm tired. I'm grumpy. I'm thinking. But then I don't often go, but, but also what's happening in the atmosphere? Because if my kids are playing up and going mental, maybe there's something that I'm not aware of that I'm actually not taking authority over. I'm saying, actually, this. This chaos. I'm not discerning because I'm not listening. What's going on there is chaos in my household. And so I need to also take stock and say, okay, I need to work on, 
I need to go have a nap, you know, or have another coffee. I need to do that, okay? But I also need to go, oh, but hold on a second. Is there, is there more going on here that's trying to disrupt things, that's trying to get me to, to, to get angry or to say the wrong thing or to be too firm with my kids that's gonna affect relationship and then it's gonna cause more chaos? Is there something going on that's actually trying to wage war against the peace in my family? I need to be tuned into that because if I'm not, I'm gonna do everything on the natural level and not actually conquer what's happening in the spirit level. So usually both of those things happen, need to go on, okay? You know, this is that difference, I think, of when we, when we come together in this time, it's so important that we rightly understand what we're doing um, and this is something, you know, we're having conversations and, and, and talking about, you know, even when it comes to, you know, the prayer room times that, we've, that we have. And, and, and it's kind of clarifying and, and, and languaging, what is the intent of that? And, and that's what we're discovering. It's like, oh, it, has a, it has a purpose, but it's not all of what prayer is. It's like we say worship. Well, that's not all of what worship is. That's just what the Lord is leading us to do in that kind of moment. But if we understand when we come into this place, we're here, and this might be different to another experience or another place, we're here to do whatever Jesus wants us to do. And sometimes that is just singing praise to him. And he's like, I just want you guys to love on me today. And you're gonna be blessed because you're just loving on me. Last week, what did we do? We all faced outwards and we started declaring and prophesying over the region and opened up the doors and all that sort of stuff. Well, did we do that this week? It was quite good last week. We should have done it two weeks in a row. But guess what? It's not what Jesus wanted us to do this week. So we didn't do that. We're not trying to do a formula. We're just trying to be led by what he's doing. But that means sometimes if it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I feel, I don't always feel what he's doing. I, 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 I can just explain. I came up to Rachel near the end of that time and I'm like, just so you know, I'm thinking this is what I'm talking. We'll probably have maybe a song at the end as well. I talked to Nicole about doing that. And Rachel's just saying, yep, I'm just following the glory. I was like, do you feel like there's more? She's like, I'm not sure. It's like, cool, well, we'll leave it and we'll wait. And there was, and there was just a, that bit more breakthrough. I said to Andrew, it's like, no, no, I, I, I went, Andrew's like, oh, Brad might jump on drums. I'm like, no, I'm not jumping on drums today. You can. And he's like, no, I'm doing, looking after the cameras. I'm like, cool, no drums today. And I got there at the end, like, whoa. And Nicole's stumping her feet, like, oh, just needs, just needs something. So I guess you're, I guess you're jumping on drums today, Jesus. <laughs> but it's like, I didn't, I, that wasn't my personal preference. It wasn't what I wanted to do. That's what he wanted to do. So I said, yes, Jesus, we'll jump on drums. We'll have some drums. Ta-da. But that's what we do when we, when we gather. To, it's not about me. It's not about you, it's about him. And we are collectively in Christ coming together. So again, well, your voice might not get heard. Your personal preference might not get realized. But it's okay, it's not because you're not loved. No one's rejecting you. But we're not, we're not, I'm not about me. We're not about, you know, we, sometimes it'll be like someone yelling out. It doesn't, doesn't mean like if, if Rachel's yelling out, it doesn't mean that Rachel is, oh, I, just, I like yelling out. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna yell. Every time I do worship, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be that person who yells all the time. It's like, no, I don't want to yell. Oh, why, Jesus? 
Do you ever have times where you're just like, oh, oh, not that, Jesus? Yeah? Oh, really? Oh, you, do you want me to do that? Oh, is there any other way? You know, like, but that's sometimes the reality. So, and that's the thing, you think, oh, I don't know, like, why do they do that? Well, they don't do that. Jesus says, do this, and you go, okay. And if so, if Jesus says, dance, what is your alternative? As an individual, say, no, I don't feel like dancing, Jesus. But in the corporate, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Otherwise, we don't, we're not giving him his yes. And when you don't give Jesus yes, it means he's not your Lord. So then who is he? Oh, he's my friend. Not to him, he's not. Oh, we can be friends, but you need to understand, I'm, I'm lots of things to you. I'm your Lord. I'm your king. I mean, I'm, I'm the commander of the army yeah. and you're, you're part of that. I'm a friend of Jesus. You're also a servant. Yeah. And the word doulos means slave. You're a slave to God and a slave to righteousness. That's what he calls you to be. Oh, I'm a son, absolutely. But you're a son who acts like a slave. Because sonship determines my identity, but, but, but being a slave, being a servant, that determines how I behave. But you see that difference. When I come into this time, I'm like, okay, this is, this is servant time, Jesus. What do you want me to do? You want me to dance? That's embarrassing, Jesus. Yeah, hanging on the cross naked. Pretty embarrassing. I've been there. I understand, but it's not all about you. What if he wants you to scream out? Oh, that's not my personality, Jesus. He's not interested in your personality. He's interested in your obedience. Can you imagine someone goes to war? They're on the front lines. They stick their head out and they're like, mm, I just don't feel like shooting guns today. <laughs> really? What, what are you doing here? Because again, when you don't fire your gun, that's one less person in the army. So then someone else has got to carry you. I remember I preached this months ago up in the chapel, but... Um, and it, we never want to put on this thing of like, got to come to church, because you don't go to church, you are the church. But you know, I've got to come every week and do all that sort of stuff. You can do whatever you want as an individual. But I'm just encouraging you, check it with Jesus. Because for me, I don't come here because it, it suits me and it always, I don't always feel like it. You know, like it's, it's a cost to do that. It's not just because, oh, well, it's my job. So like, no, no, I, I want to be part of what he's doing. I want to be part of what he's doing and he's accomplishing things. I, would, I don't want to miss Jesus winning a victory or defeating something on that week. So that's why I'm here. But that's the thing. If, if Jesus said, this is what I'm going to accomplish on this Sunday, okay? And half of the people show up, he doesn't halve the battle, you just got to fight twice as hard. So our no sometimes is, is doesn't change someone else's yes. There's still, Jesus is still, no, I'm going ahead with it. Okay, well, Lord, we're, we're in it with you. But you hear me, that's not, I'm not saying don't care for yourself, don't have, don't have a, a, like personal, I, I care for myself. I'm, I'm tired often because I have three children. That's enough. And then, you know, we've got a house that we're still finishing off and I've got a, a job, you know, senior past year, all that sort of stuff. It means I'm tired. But it's still, it's like, it's what a, what a valuable cost. 
but I still care for myself. I gotta make sure I get enough sleep and do all of those sorts of things. Personal care is important because Jesus loves me and I'm, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, all that sort of stuff. But if you take personal care into a military type environment, oh no, you yield personal care. A yielded warrior is yielded to the reality of death. I've got a painting in my office that uh, Cara Chidlow did for me and it's, it's a soldier with her arm and he's kneeling down and, it's, and she called it yielded warrior. Um, but that's the reality. So, oh, but to yield yourself is not just to, oh, sit down, I'm just, oh, just going to yield for a bit. <sighs> no, to yield yourself to the Lord is to say, all of mine I put over here and I'm all yours. So as someone who's yielded to go to war, it's like, oh, death, because that's what I signed up for. I, I want to survive, but if I die, well, that's, that's obviously the, the risk that I'm willing to take. But you see, this is, the, this is the war that is raging in the nations, that he hasn't called you just to be part of, he's called you to govern, because that is the ecclesia, the spiritual governing body of the kingdom of God. So every church in our region, and again, if we're just here, oh, we just want to grow, get more numbers, get more people, for what? For what? I said more people go to heaven. Awesome. Jesus isn't interested in people going to heaven. He's interested in heaven coming to earth. This is my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Against it. Which means the church is going to storm the gates of hell and take back the territory that belongs to Jesus. That's what we're about. But we need to be tuned into the war. Now again, war in the kingdom can look very, very different. And I'm saying we're in worship. It doesn't have to be screaming and yelling and rah, thing. It could be weeping and kneeling. It could be silence. Yep, adoration, just praise, just loving on Jesus. Oh, but... Where's the, where's the tearing down of strongholds? That is the tearing down of stronghold. Yeah. I'll be, tear down a stronghold of hate with what? Love, loving on him. Let your love flood out, God. So again, and if you're here, it's like, I just don't really, I don't always pick up stuff. That's okay, just give your yes to God and your yes, well, but I trust that we're gonna go where God wants us to go. Oh, everyone's stomping their feet. I didn't, God didn't tell me to stomp their feet, but he told someone to stomp their feet. There's agreement in the room, so I'm gonna be in agreement because I'd rather be in agreement with the Holy Spirit than agreement with my personal preference. Well, that's not what I'd do. It doesn't matter. You, know, you, know, you kind of hear what I'm saying? You are so valuable. You are so loved. Like, you're, I, I love you. I care for you. I, we care about your lives. We spend so much time talking about people because we care about people. We love you and we care about where you're at on your journey. But that can't take precedent over the loving of Jesus and what he's doing and where he's going. I'm sure a military commander with his troops, they have gone through years like of training and there's this camaraderie and connectedness and a love and a, and a, and a brotherhood and just a, a deep fellowship together. So I'm sure that commander loves his troops and yet he's still willing to lead them onto a battlefield where they might lose their life, where their daughter might lose their father, where a wife might lose their husband. Because the battle is more important than the individual. That battle is more important than that family. 
Now again, you hear me, I'm not saying cost your family, oh, who cares about your family, just do the, that's happened as well in the life of the church where we have lost sight of family and we've diminished family and, and children and wives and husbands have been left behind in the pursuit of ministry. It's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about collectively going together. Like I want my kids to understand spiritual warfare because it's gonna hit our home. I mean, especially like for me as, as, a, as, a, as a leader of a church, it's gonna hit my home. It's gonna try and take them out. So I need to be prepared. Well, I'm gonna fight for my family. And, I'm, and I know other people are gonna fight for my family. But it's not gonna stop me from going, oh, oh, therefore I just won't engage. I'm that kind of person. Like if I see conflict on the street, Lisa will tell you. I hear a siren, I head in that direction. <laughs> She's like, ooh, let's, no, no. We move away from conflict. Move away from conflict. And I'm like, where's the conflict? Let me at them, you know? Literally, yeah, 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 that's it. If only I had a gun. Um, literally two weeks ago, I just hear this yelling, screaming outside, it's night time. So I'm cool, so I load up my baton and I walk out the front and I hear a few streets up and I say, I know there's a, there's a, there's a I've seen a, a woman drive into, I don't know the people personally, there are a few houses up, but I've seen a, a woman drive out of that thing. I'm like, I'm prepared to cost myself because if, if that screaming is a woman being attacked by a man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going up there. You better believe it. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch things because I watch my active self-protection videos on YouTube and I'm prepared. And I'm, <laughs> I've got situational awareness and, uh, you know, I know, yep. If someone's got a knife, you run. If they've got a gun, you charge in. If they're that close, because you know the thing, I know how, you know, the timing that it takes for someone to close the distance and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I'm well trained. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't walk around the streets looking for it, I'm saying. But I'm just saying, like, that would, that would matter to me if something happened and I had the opportunity to, to kind of step in. That's just kind of how I'm wired. And I understand we're not all wired that way. But when it comes to the work of God, everyone's part of it. Everyone is part of the army. Everyone is called into battle. And you must say, but I'm, I'm just a stay-at-home mum or I'm just a teacher at a, at a school. Like I'm just, what, how does this, really, how does this? That's where, the, that's where you wage war, primarily. Wherever, wherever God puts you, you have a sphere of influence. And if you know your authority... And if you know the governmental calling the Lord has put upon you, then you say, this is the place that the Lord has called me to rule and reign under His Lordship for His glory. And I'm going to see the kingdom of God come to this place. You could work in a factory. It doesn't matter where you are. The kingdom of God needs to come to that place. And the Lord has apportioned you. And there'll be principalities and powers and strongholds. And there'll be people in brokenness and, and that need freedom and desire. And you're there for that purpose. Can you, you need to stop looking at your job as just a way to earn money. But it's a position that the Lord is an outpost of the kingdom of God that God has placed you in. You know, oh, but I, you know, I couldn't talk to these guys about Jesus. Then find another way to see the kingdom of God come. I'm gonna ask, I'm not saying start up a Bible study. No, start, start praying for people, start interceding. Do you, have, do you have your workmates on a list that you're praying for regularly? Start praying into the atmosphere in your workplace. 
start carrying and carrying. There's a war going on, even just for these individuals, for their lives, for their souls, that the devil has robbed them of salvation and he is robbing them every single day of the gift of Jesus. And there's you walking around with the gift of Jesus, literally the presence of God living inside of you. When Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was talking about himself. And it means you can reach out and you can touch the kingdom of heaven right now because it's dwelling in Christ and it dwells in you. That's what we've, that's what we've been charged with. But we need to understand, I have to be aware, I have to start thinking about these things. I have to tune into the fact that, man, there is a battle going on and I'm right in the midst of it. And I don't want to be robbed anymore. I'm just going to read this little bit from, um, this is from an article by Dutch Sheets on governmental authority. It says, the keys of the ecclesia, or ecclesia, says this invitation to cross the threshold back into the sphere of governmental intercession has not only been extended to me, but to the entire body of Christ. As we mentioned, a key symbolizing governmental authority is first mentioned in the book of Isaiah within a prophetic passage concerning Jesus, the Messiah. But the second time keys symbolizing spiritual authority are spoken of in scripture is at Jesus' first mention of the church. Again, I'm giving you keys, son. I'm giving you keys to a building. It's a prophetic word from Bob Hazlett, which is, has so many of those things have come true, but it starts with keys. Now, again, we can look at the physical, but we need to also look at the spiritual. It says, I also say to you, that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In the disciples' day, the paradigm for a church was very different from contemporary notions. In the disciples' culture, an ecclesia was an assembly of people assigned to govern the affairs of a city, state or nation. In essence, a parliament or congress. To the Romans, it was an assembly of people sent into a conquered region to govern, but also to alter the culture and to be, until it became that of Rome. They infiltrated government, language, social structure, schools, etc., until the people talked, thought, and acted like Romans. In other words, they brought the culture and ideals of the kingdom of Rome to their assigned region. When Jesus said he would build his church, his ecclesia, he was speaking of a body of people that would legislate spiritually for him, extending his kingdom, government, and influence on the earth. Christ's statement that the gates of hell will not overpower it makes much more sense when we understand these gates are not physical, but rather spiritual, and also symbolize government. In biblical times, city gates were often where judges sat to rule and where governing councils met to make decisions. Therefore, the word gates often symbolize government. In this first announcement regarding the church, Jesus is declaring that the kingdom of government, the rule, decree, and councils of hell won't prevail over his kingdom government on earth, the church. He follows this declaration by saying that he would give to his ecclesia keys, which is just as in Isaiah 22, 22, representing spiritual authorities. These keys close or open spiritual doors, allowing or disallowing access and activity. 
In Matthew 16, Christ's church would also have keys to bind loose, so to lock or unlock, to allow or forbid the gates or government decisions of hell and to release the governmental decisions of heaven. Do you feel like we may need a reshaping of what church is? Yeah? I feel like we do. I feel like I do. I feel like we need to live this in to go, okay, maybe what I thought it was is something different. Number one, that it's a heck of a lot more than whatever is happening here for two hours on a Sunday. It's all day, every day. All day, every day. All right? All day, every day, 24 hours a day, you are in warfare. You are in a battle. If you don't feel it, if you don't recognize it, it might be because you are shut down to it that you are not aware of it and therefore you are living under the influence of it. Principalities and powers, corporate strongholds, these things are put in place and they are philosophies, ways of thinking and behaving that sit over areas and regions and they influence the way that people think and act. And it's not like people are going, oh yes, we all know. Oh yeah, I already know that in my region, you know, there's a corporate stronghold of, of hatred. Um, yeah, but we just, you know, we just chose to live with it. No, people don't know that they're under that. <laughs> they aren't aware of what's influencing them. And I'm, I'm not talking just about Christians, non-Christians, like a whole, you can have cities where there's particular issues maybe with crime or brokenness or, you know, like there's certain things that can invade a region and an area. And that's the, that can be as an influence of the corporate strongholds that are over there. So how do you see the kingdom come? Well, you've got to displace the authorities that have authority in that place. And they're given authority by the people. So when we wage war against those things, it's like, okay, we're going to displace the principalities and powers over this region. When God said to us a couple of years ago, when he said to me, you need to take on a regional mandate. It means, okay, we need to start to now legislate on behalf of this region, which, you know, which we felt like was Quinana, Rockingham, Manager down this southern region. So we have a responsibility to legislate on behalf of heaven. I'm not saying we're the only church, we're the only people, anything like that. It's not because we're awesome, it's because we're great. I think it's because we said yes. It's usually what it takes. Oh, I just want God to use me, then say yes. Because sometimes we don't. <laughs> we say no too often to Jesus. Sometimes unaware. All right. That either stoked a fire or poked a bear, either way. That's it, same action, similar reaction maybe. Why don't you stand with me, let's pray. All right, can I have just the worship team jump up as well? I'm just gonna finish with a song. So a couple of minutes before buzzers will go off for parents, but um, yeah. The rest of us get to stay in, so. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray that you would just awaken us to this word. 
Awaken our hearts to this Word, God. And Father, we just pray just for a sifting, Lord. Just help us to sift this Word, Lord. Father, we would chew and swallow the meat and spit out any bones, God. And, and Father, in any way, if me personally, Lord, if I've gotten in the way of Your Word, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that those words would fall to the ground. But Father, if there is words of truth, words that would antagonise, words that would poke areas, Lord, sensitive areas, defensive areas, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, let Your Word accomplish its destiny today. Let Your Word hit its mark today, God. Thank You, Lord. Father, we don't want to live in comfort. I don't want to live in comfort, Lord. I want to live in the centre of Your will. Thank you, Lord. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that You would awaken us, Lord. Awaken the warrior within, Lord. Awaken the warrior within us, God. Awaken us to the war, Holy Spirit. Awaken our discernment to see the battle that is happening around us, Lord. It is the battle for our lives. It is the battle for our families, God. It is the battle for this church, Lord. It is the battle for Your Kingdom, God. It is a battle for the nations, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. We thank You, Lord, that we stand and we live under Your authority, God. It's what You commissioned Your church to do, Lord. You said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and disciple the nations. Go therefore and rule and govern spiritually as my church. So God, we say yes, Lord. We say yes to what You are calling us into, Jesus, as a church. And Father, if we, if we have a no in our heart, Lord, that You would convict us of our no, or You'd tell us to go. Father, we don't wanna be in an army where half the people aren't willing to battle, Lord. Convict our hearts of our selfishness, Jesus, where we've made it all about us and not all about You, Jesus. Where we've lived for our own glory and not for Yours, Jesus. Bring us to a place of repentance, Jesus. Where we've made our comfort more important than Your commands, Jesus. us to make it all about you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, you are the God of revival. You are the God of revival, Lord. That is what you're doing in the earth. It's what you're doing in the nations, Father. You're bringing life. You're bringing transformation, God. Your kingdom is expanding, Lord. But Father, we don't want to slow down the expansion of Your Kingdom. We don't want to slow down salvation, Lord. 
Father, we don't want to get consumed with things that aren't even important, Lord. But Father, help us to face our guns in the right direction, Lord. Father, where we are caught up in bitterness and offence and personal preference, Father, we pray, Lord, that we would crucify those selfish positions, Lord. Help us to grow up, Jesus. Help us to grow up, Lord, to get over ourselves, Lord to cost ourselves for Your sake, Jesus, because You did that for us, Lord. You hung on a cross for every one of our sins, Lord. And Father, we can't let one sin from another person go. Help us, Jesus. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us, Jesus where we'd be forgiven the massive debt and then hold the smallest debt against our brother or our sister, Lord. You talk about it in the Word, God. You make it so very clear, God, what the path is for us. Help us to see, Lord, so we can walk in Your way, Jesus. Because there's something far greater going on, Lord, than these things. And that's your kingdom coming and your will being done and you receiving the glory that you deserve, Lord. It's why we're here. It's why we're here, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.